Hello and welcome to this episode of The Run-In. I hope everyone's had a good winter. We are back now that the orienteering season has kind of got underway, I guess. And um, I feel like I know someone who did have a good winter, Mr. Will Gardner, uh, with your win at the British Middles. Uh, that was pretty um, impressive. Was it Was it a good winter? It, it, it's been a dreadful winter. <laughs> it's, I think everything that probably could have gone wrong this winter has gone wrong in some way. Oh, God, um, no. So the the win was very surprising and not what I expected at all going into race. I actually decided to go to race on sat on the Saturday morning before it, um, and yeah, I've I've been injured, I've been ill, I've been working too hard and not had the time to do enough training as I want to do. So it's been one of the most inconsistent winters I think I've had in the last four or five years and it's worked out kind of well so that's kind of nice that's that's really that's really interesting why did you only decide on the on the Saturday to go um so my my partner tested positive for COVID on the Monday and I also had symptoms although wasn't testing positive so was a bit scared I'd picked up COVID as well and the tests were just coming out negative um and had only started feeling better by kind of Thursday, Friday sort of time. So I got to Saturday and I did a little tempo effort with a, a club mate of mine. And like, and then just decided, well, my body kind of seems to have managed 10 minutes, so it can probably manage half an hour tomorrow and then just go along and see what happens. Yeah, just thankfully it's <laughs> not a long distance approach. race because that would have been really... Exactly, yeah. have, like almost tipped it over the edge, I wonder. Yeah, I think it probably would have. If it was a long distance, I probably wouldn't have gone. Mm. Um, and would have just focused on the sprint races that are coming up in a few weeks' time. But I thought, yeah, it's half an hour. It's only 40 minutes drive away or 50 minutes drive away. Mm. I might as well go. And just yeah. at least I get a run around in the sun. Well, it wasn't even that sunny in the end. But <laughs> I get a run around a wood that I've never run around before and see people and, and all that. And it was a nice it was a nice forest, I thought. I was actually pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I thought it was going to be much I've, like I've... grottier and, or bramblier or something. Yeah, I thought it was going to be really horrible underfoot and um not that nice at all but it was actually runnable for the entire thing um suited me quite well i think because of that because of the not as technical as previous middle distances that we have had in the last couple of years in the late district and so forth so mm. yeah i enjoyed it I, I don't know about anyone else but it was good for me i i enjoyed it as well did you feel like because you had a pretty rubbishy winter you had quite low expectations did that help um, I think it helped in a way. So there's a few people who I've been the incognito on attack point and Strava and stuff all winter as well because I've not mm. been wanting to put things up there. And I uh I unhid it on, on Monday afterwards and I think Nick Barg put something up of actually when you have those things that all of those things go wrong, it takes the pressure off. So it you actually just end up focusing on what you enjoy and not worrying about any of the other stuff that you've put too much pressure on yourself with. So I think it could well have been a bit of that. Um, and just a bit of lack of pressure and other stuff going on in, in life that is more important at the moment or bigger things, you know, in the world that's going mm-hmm. on with all the stuff in Ukraine. You know, there's running around a wood for half an hour isn't a worry. It's, yeah. it's, it's a kind of a nice a way pleasure. to spend a Sunday. It's not, yeah, yeah it's, it, if it doesn't go well, it doesn't really matter in life. So, yeah, I think a bit more relaxed than normal as well. Compared to, I think most people who know me know I've probably been a bit of a head case in races for the last few years so yeah so why why did you decide to hide all your strava and your attack point and everything 
Um, because I was embarrassed by how long it was taking me to come back from the injury that I had. Um, and I didn't want any pressures of forcing myself to come back too soon or forcing myself into, you know, like just doing things for the sake of putting them on to a training logs mm. or that people can see or trying to compete with other people's hours or anything like that. So just stop following people apart from yeah, like one or two. Did you find that you were looking less at what other people were training? Yes. Yes, I was. Which I think was healthier as well because I didn't worry about, oh, so-and-so's done this time in training or so-and-so's done this many hours. It was just, okay, well, I've done this and I know this, although not great, will get me fitter for next week, which will allow me to do that and so forth and so forth. And it was cyclical. Um, and nothing, there's never been any fantastic sessions. There's never been a session where I've gone, poof, yeah, in shape. This is good. Mm. But there's been, okay, well, that wasn't as horrible as it was last time. <laughs> so so I've got fitter since the last time I did it. Yeah, and you make those like kind of small amounts of progress and and actually that shows you're progressing rather than like maybe plateauing then if you if you feel like yeah I'm feeling really good then you're I wonder if that's almost like a a plateau kind of feeling. I I don't really know, but um I think it can be that way as well or you just push it too hard. And then you dig yourself into a hole and you don't recover or you don't give yourself the time to recover. So I've probably done less mileage than I've done for the last four years. But maybe it's given me actually a chance to recover a bit better from the sessions that I've been doing, even though they've been a bit lower volume. And actually, maybe I've been hitting them, relatively speaking, harder than I would have mm-hmm. otherwise. But it's a good question. Um, but yeah, but I've also raced a bit less as well. So I've, I've raced a bit. I've raced less cross country. I've raced less orienteering. I've done two orienteering races, I think, all year. Yeah, I was um, going to say, like, how much orienteering had you actually done before that middle distance before race? That race? I think I'd done three. Oh. No, I'd done four orienteering events. I'd done one night event, the Midlands Championships, um, a New Year's Day score event, and a local OD event in a wood that was about 15 minutes drive from my house. Um, <laughs> and that was in the morning before a cross country race. So I think, yeah, I think I've done four orienteering events. Mm. Um, so wow. it's just not the preparation I would ever have at all. Yeah, it's interesting. No. Is there something you're going to take from this? Obviously now, this this was, is this, this is like, I guess it's a British champs, but is it kind of the least important race that's actually coming up in terms of selections though? Uh, interestingly, yeah. I think interestingly, yeah. So um, I had a few people ask me this from, uh, you know, like um, people from work when they say, oh, you know, what did you do the weekend? Like, oh, I did this this race. Or some guys in the athletics club who saw it on Strava and went, oh, yeah, nice one, that's amazing. It's like, yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. Because mm-hmm. um, in the grand scheme of things, so world champs this year is sprint only. So forest race doesn't really count for mm-hmm. much. Um, we've got next weekend, as we're recording now on the 19th, 20th, is of March is the Sprint Scotland weekend so we've got a knockout sprint and an individual sprint up in Dundee which is the first round of sprint selection races for World Cup um, and then there's the JK sprint as well on Easter weekend so there's three sprint races to select the World Cup team and then the World Cup team will pick the World Champs team mm. so ultimately a forest race in March won't <laughs> decide much and sadly. it was it, and it wasn't poorly attended but it was didn't have the whole you know elite field there on either the yeah. men's or the women's side you know I don't want to play down any of your achievements because there were you know you're one of many great athletes who were there but then also there wasn't quite 
everybody in the whole country there yeah either. it was it it was a limited field compared yeah. to compared to last year especially because, where it was a world champ selection race this isn't as you know it's not a selection race people don't see it as one yeah. that's maybe worth traveling to if they if they've got to travel a bit further to it because it's not a selection race but i'll go back to my question which i kind of started asking and then didn't finish asking which is are you going to take <laughs> something from this middle distance race into the next races you're gonna you're gonna go and do um yeah, good question um i think i can try and take the fact that i've hopefully got a bit of a new mindset of being a bit relaxed and, and, and not it's, being it's just stressed all the time it's hard to do that now you've actually won a race though now you're thinking like oh i wouldn't do it again well, yeah that's true it's like, it's like oh well maybe i'm in good shape now so i'll go and try and win i'll try and win the next one or is actually i don't know if it really works like that um <laughs> no. it's been a while since i've won a race as well so i don't really know how to react how to react to it um i th- i think the main thing would be like for me anyway the pressure for the whole year is off because it's something i've been trying to do for 20 years and win a british championships has been done so i can now just be like well if, if anything happens for the rest of this year i've at least done something which i can look back on and go yeah my name's on that trophy for however long um the trophy's around for and that can't be taken away and it's something that i've been trying to do since i was a kid so yeah well you, bo- can, you yeah, finally joined the club of british champions on the running podcast yeah. hosts you know you were exactly. you were lagging behind my orienteering i was so lagging really behind you were come on yeah <laughs> i know it was shocking oh, did i did i win a i'm just trying to think if i won a british knights once when nobody turned up but i think i might have been <laughs> second British anyway, don't count. Yeah, British anyway. don't count. No. Yeah, well, there you go. They don't count. Um, yeah, so I think I'll just, just try and take the fact that, you know, it's been an up and down year already and I've come out at the early season with a very good result and I now have a result and other people don't. So mm. the pressure's on them, let's say. Yeah, exactly. And you still no know that you've no had pressure an up and down year and that it's not still, just because you've had one good race, it's still not the you know the ideal preparation for the next the next kind of races yeah like anything could happen in the in the sprint races next mm. weekend i could come last and <laughs> and we'll be talking a very different game of like <laughs> so how did it go race. how did it feel to be last in that race and yeah yeah you've you've got to yeah you're going to take nothing for granted i think in this sport that is really what you've got to know and yeah. appreciate and therefore you know when stuff when success does happen you can really enjoy that and appreciate that but i yeah. mean i yeah i, I love i thought the british middles were a lot of fun really like showed off some nice orienteering in that part of the country that we don't often go to very often mm. and um obviously and alice sleek won the women's um elite race uh i think there were quite a few there uh or rather not there who went to edinburgh university after i think a few of them all got covid which was a bit of a shame um yes that after bucks we will come on to the the british universities in a minute i don't know if you've seen this will but after the british middles but there was a lot and i mean a serious lot of chat on the southern navigators whatsapp group about disqualifications and reinstatements on the british middles I did see this, yes. Uh, I saw some threads on Nope Sport about it, um, the the Orienteering Forum yeah. website. So there yeah. were basically two controls on path junctions very close to each other. They were within 30 metres of each other. 
and there is like a literal specific rule in the orienteering rules that controls on the same feature and not allowed to be within 60 meters of each other and these was 30 meters of each other and basically uh, a few runners punched the wrong one and then they so they were disqualified and then they uh, uh, tried to be they appealed to kind of being reinstated or something to be done with it and um kind of went to the jewelry and everything like that and they accepted that the controls were too close and i think voiding they said ultimately they could avoided like that control and therefore the leg leading to it and coming out of that control or they could have just reinstated the runner and it would have ended up with the same like the same result basically so they just yeah. decided to reinstate that disqualified runner they said yes the controls are too close but we had lots of chat about uh even if they are too close you should be checking your codes or mm. you know if you're a good orienteer you should have, re- have realized that is the wrong control or, or something like that it's i don't quite know where i personally stand on this to be to be honest because ultimately there was a a small fault you know that fault with those controls being too close together and that is written mm-hmm. in the orienteering rules for a reason but also check your codes <laughs> yeah this is kind of where i fell on it as well of oh yeah that is unfortunate an error has clearly been made but i think everyone knew there was going to be a lot of controls out in mm. that forest and i was checking my codes on every single one of them yeah i and... checked my codes like i never normally check my codes yeah like because i know i checked my codes for the last control yeah for some reason, like I never did that. But I was checking them on every single one. Um, and, yeah, it's what's drilled into you. And you just need to check them. And I think it was only one or two people, right, that did mispunch. Yeah, so this is the thing, you know, most, most people got it right. It was, like, a couple of people on a couple of courses that were affected. Um, the, yeah. I would go with the majority, then. If the majority get it right, then the error lies with the, the few minority mm. that get it wrong, mm. in my view. Um, if there was a if there was over half of the people on the course mispunched, then yeah, I'd say that there was clearly an, mm. a very clear and obvious problem. But but then there, you know there it, there was a problem with you know planner and controller on that particular control that that it yeah, was you know true. it was within the I think we can go round in circles with this and that's what happened. We could happened on the SN WhatsApp yeah. group to be honest. I think the jury I, I saw the jury deliberations on it as well, and I think that they in in prep for this call and. I think that they clearly went round in circles on th- three or four different options mm-hmm. that they could have done. Just yeah. like the easiest option was just reinstate the person. It's not fair. Sympathies to the person who didn't get a medal as a, as a result. But if you're if the organisers are culpable, then the you know there's a an element of doubt in there as to whether it full fault is at the competitor. So yeah, yeah. I think that's well explained, well put. Um, and it's such a, it is a shame that 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 small thing happened because I think apart from that it was really well organised, well planned. I I really yeah. enjoyed my course. Don't know about you. I enjoyed it as well. And check your codes. And check your there codes. You <laughs> um, something I wanted to quickly touch on uh, another race that we've had um, is Bucks. So British University Champs that was up uh, in Sheffield this year. Um, big more for the individual and one cliff for the relay. Um, tough, in, tough yeah, areas. Yes, two very tough areas. And what I really like to see is in the the six medals that were awarded for the individual race, there were five different universities represented there. Mm. 
which is quite is good. good so Ali Thomas won the men's he's from Edinburgh Pete Malloy was second he's at Cambridge and Joe Woodley third at Sheffield also I want to put a side note here how is Peter Hodkinson still a student still eligible for this but um <laughs> I, you know, you can be a student at whatever age, but there we go. And uh, on the women's, uh, Grace Malloy won. She's at Oxford. Um, Fiona Bond was second. She's at Edinburgh. And Cecilia Anderson third. And she's at in Bath. So like five unis for six medals. Oh, she Bath now. Oh, yes, okay. yes. I think she's doing a PhD. Um, yeah. Uh. And so, so very, very mixed on the individual. And then Edinburgh absolutely dominated certainly the women's relay taking the top three spots and won the men's with Cambridge silver and Oxford bronze um so yeah really just that depth of the women's side of things on the Edinburgh team you know like Cecilia Anderson at Bath like who's who's she gonna run run with but yeah massively dominant for the women's side of things um I don't know if you saw this time Will it's the first time there was a C race for the women there's always been an A B and a C race for the men but this time there was an A B and a C race as well for the women I did see that, yeah, because they were building it as the um, the most inclusive mm. bucks ever ever held. So it's nice to see that, yeah, there's actually parity now between. between yeah, and hopefully cool is, is a enabler for more, you know, people to join the sport at university and for there to be a course mm. for them to be able to participate at that British Uni Champs, I think. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. When was the last time Bath got a medal in orienteering? That's a good question. <laughs> That's, a that's something I'd like question. to know. I wonder if they ever have before. Because they're I obviously a very big sporting university. But, but not a I big orienteering university. Not traditional no, anyway. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And it's and it's again it's again I think the there's a big narrative of, of Oxford and Cambridge getting a lot better in their orienteering as well with like they're on the up again, aren't they? Notable like notable individuals who are also doing really well at attracting newcomers to their teams and I think mm. they've done a generally done a really good job at kind of yeah at doing that and rewarded with some with some medals in the relays i think that's really good yeah um no, definitely long may continue more diversity in universities are enduring absolutely that's what we like to see uh well us two being ex-sheffield we just like to see any, oh, anyone yeah. but edinburgh but you were durham as well though weren't you i was at durham as well that's fair yeah yeah yeah, but yeah, still, anyone, anyone but Edinburgh dominating. That's what we like. We are, we are quite biased here. I think feel like we should have to admit this. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Um, another couple of things like um, IOF news that I wanted to highlight. Um, there is still time, Will, if you haven't done this already, to take part in the IOF gender survey about winning times. They're asking, should they have equal winning times for the men's and the women's classes? And if so what time should that be the current women's winning time should that be the current men's winning time should it be somewhere in the middle and um i'd really uh suggest that that anybody listening to this has a go and and does this survey because it's likely to have an impact on the british distances as well and that's not just at elite level this is talking about juniors and masters uh, you know seniors veterans too because whatever the that's decided internationally for the world masters the world um you know the world champs the world junior world champs is likely to kind of have a triple uh like a a trickle down effect on to like what distances we're going to run at british champs so mm. whatever you think have a um you know fill out that survey i think it's going to be really good to, that we find out this and get a proper representative 
view of what um what people think across orienteering of course it's a subject we've already covered quite a lot will so go back and listen to our um kind of gender equality and equity uh podcast that we've already done about that if you haven't yeah. already yeah it's a good point i wonder i was toying with with doing the survey i didn't know if i should have a view or should put across a thing because ultimately it's it's not down but it to would me. affect you i'm not running it you you know the winning times for men were decreased oh that's true yeah and that is true i hadn't thought about it in that way i was i was thinking only of the women the yes. women's on shifting so you can do um, that and then uh you know what you can do is persuade the female orienteers that you know to take part in it as well there we go there's there a solution there is there is a solution you could be part of this too will I can be part of it. I, well, I just didn't feel like it was... A, a, I didn't know if it was appropriate for me to be telling someone how, how far they should run if I wasn't going to be doing it. Um, no, but I think they'll probably... I'm sure you have to say your gender when you're doing the... Um, oh, yeah, probably. When you're actually yeah, doing the survey. Well. I'm pretty sure that, that, that you do. And you have to say if you're competing currently internationally or not. And um, so they'll be able to tell that you're a man and this is what you <laughs> um more more ioF news um and this one's a bit more well i don't know if it's a bit more well it is a bit more serious uh about bans mm. on the russian and belarusian athletes um yeah will do you know really what to make of this um yeah so oh well no i think <laughs> i think ever, everyone's probably been glued to the news about ukraine and russia and all those things obviously heartfelt um or whatever use it is you know heartfelt condolences out to all the ukrainian orienteers who are affected Mm. by this and i know there's some people who i've met who are still in various places in ukraine and have decided to fight or or not and um yeah it's heartbreaking to see what's happening over there and its effect on on the world and what's going on so many people um and orienting is obviously a tiny part of that Mm. um and the IOF has chosen to follow the recommendations or or what's been cited by most international federations mm-hmm. now of banning Russian and Belarusian athletes. Um, I think as a show of solidarity with other sporting bodies, it had to happen. In mm. this is my view. I don't, and you know, people can disagree with this, but in my view, I think it had to happen because it orienteering couldn't be an outlier in letting people still compete, especially when I know a lot of Russian athletes or Belarusian athletes maybe are against against the war and uh, looking to try and you know, protest against it in a lot of ways mm-hmm. by organising rallies or anything like that. I've seen some stuff go up on Facebook from people, you know, organising protests against Putin in Russia or you know, outside of Russia. Um, but when you've got a lot of members of the teams, you know, either part funded by the military or, you know, the coaches are of military backgrounds or anything like that, then there's automatically a problem that I think, you know, you have to you have to ban those athletes from competing and and make a stance and say that it's not okay and you know help with that collective pressure against a regime mm. like like Putin's putting across right now and yeah because it's, it's it sad, is hard because a but... lot of ath- a lot of the russian athletes um aren't based in russia um yeah. and a lot of the ath- russian athletes have been talking on their social media about their opposition to this invasion mm. of ukraine so it does it does feel like um, you know you're, you're you're almost blaming victims of this society, um, but yes, yeah. at the same time, 
it would be very strange to not do anything, especially when the whole world has responded in this way. And it's such a serious um, issue as well. Yeah, I, I feel like it's not very clear cut, but we, I can kind of see why it's happened personally. Yeah, I can see why. Um, and I think like with, I, I seem to feel that orienteering is probably one of the few sports that didn't force Russian athletes in the band, the IOC band to mm. compete as neutrals or not have the national anthem or anything like that. So there's been a lot of leeway given so far to the general um, Russian sporting bodies. Oh, well, no, I've had to call some done. of the Russians uh, neutral athletes in a lot of, in the last year. Oh, have year. you? Yep. Yep. Oh, right, so they've okay. not been racing oh, for Russia wrong, and they've not been, um, I think it's like slightly different in the World Cup and the World Championships. Um, but Maybe certainly they have, it, it would be incorrect to say they haven't quite fo- followed all those um, IOC things. They have, but it, ultimately they've still all been competing in the same way that they would normally. They've just, you know, yeah. th- there's no specific an- anti-doping kind of issues regarding that. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. How do you, how do you treat individuals as well? Like, mm. do, you, do you pick one for, yeah. for, because they're vocal on social media? Do you, do you pick one because they're not? And, uh, then you see then Russian, there was a Russian gymnast who um, won a medal at the, I think it was the European Championships maybe at the weekend. And he had the Z symbol mm. on his, like, stapled or glued onto his his leotard. And it's like, well, <laughs> uh, that's been used on the army trucks. And you think, well, what are you doing? And like, how do you treat that person the same as mm. an athlete who doesn't live in Russia, who is vociferously against this? But yeah, there's no easy answer, I don't think, sadly. But no. Unfortunately yeah. not, and I'm sure this is something we will keep talking about um, throughout this year, especially as we kind of look forward to more international competitions as well. Um, I want to yeah. look a bit quickly now at things that are coming up, because as we said, we're just kind of right at the beginning of the season, and really, um, Will, I think you'll you'll be looking at what selection races are for the, the senior internationals. Um, me as a coach now, I'm looking at these junior um, selection races that are basically, there's there's a kind of month and a half coming up that's going to be really intense in terms of selection races um i'm not sure the british the british champs is the first big race that's on my radar i'm not sure that's actually a selection race for for anything especially as we've got a big sprint focus for um senior internationals this year but that's the first one that's coming up on my radar yeah so that is not a selection race for the seniors this year um i actually can't go to the british champs sadly because uh, it's on the brand new area, I think, isn't it? That's, yes. Um, Golden so. Valley and Cogna Woods is the long distance area, and Iron Hill and Parkgate Rough are the is the relay area. But yeah, it's like a yeah, it's never been used before. Um, well, you're not going, but there's 57 people entered on the M21 Leeds. 57. That's great. That's quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah Unfortunately, there's only no. 18 on the W21 okay. Elite, so the women need to be more supported Bump to get yeah. the numbers up uh yeah there's yeah. a load of people going that is a lot actually that's more than i would have thought for some mm. reason maybe just based off the middle distance start times um but yeah not a selection race for us should be a good race though uh i think yeah so our first one's the next weekend uh the 19th 20th of march sprint for scotland, sprint yeah. distance then sprint scotland then there's jk sprint on the 15th of april um the jk forest races are not uh, selection races this year either um, the next round of selections would then come at the World Cup at the end of May in Sweden 
from that, the World Champs team will be picked. And then Forest races for the European Champs will be held the 9th, 10th of July, somewhere in the UK for selection races, uh, for selection to the European Champs in August in Estonia. So it's kind of something every single month from yeah. now until... Well, there's, there's European Champs in August and then there's World Cup in September. So yeah. there's something from now all the way through to the autumn. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be quite relentless from, um, yeah, those first... Absolutely. That first World Cup in, in Sweden, that Sprint World Cup at the end of May, end of June for a walk. We've also got the World Games to fit in there. That's in kind of mid-July time. Forest, yeah. European Champs, as you said, in Estonia, start of August. And then World Cup final in Switzerland, end of September, start of October um yeah very very um exciting things to coming coming up we've also got one of the ones on big on my radar is the northern championships um that's the first weekend in april and simon side is the northern champs it's because it's one of the the main selection races that and the jk for a lot of the junior um competitions so uh, European Junior Champs, Junior Jaywalk, Junior World Champs, Junior European Cup. There's also a pre-Jaywalk tour God. to Romania. <laughs> All the talent squads that's going on. And there's a there's a sprint, a middle and a long on that Northern Champs weekend. And then they're taking the sprint, middle and the long from the JK weekend as well. So that's a whole load of um, selection races there for pretty so much how many races is that? 16s, 18s, 20s. So that's six races. Oof. Yeah. Two, so two a middle, sprints, a long, two middles, two middles, two, two, middles, two, two yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a lot of chances, and, I guess, if you and, screw a race up. But and they have to. It's a lot of racing. Yeah, and you have to have a good reason for not going. Apparently, so I am oh. going up to uh, Newcastle then for the Northern Championships, and I'm taking <laughs> um, my athlete up with me because she's in chance of getting selected for stuff. So I have um, whisked her out of school, and the two of us are going to go up to. <laughs> Newcastle, I'm like feel like I'm really taking my coaching job seriously with this trip. It's quite exciting actually, and um, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good race. But I wouldn't have gone normally. I'm going because because uh, yeah. Josie's going. So yeah, so it's double header weekends each time. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Apart from the the British, mm-hmm. uh, that's intense. Mm-hmm. That's into there's the yeah again I remember the junior selections they just seem to be never ending, and, mm-hmm. but it's good because it gives people a chance to come back from a bad race if they have a bad one the first one there's always something to come back from. Um, yeah, and it, it means that we're not they're not just selecting on people. forest races as well because sometimes they do that. True. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I mean, sprints so important now that you do have to pick off that. Um, something else that's going on as well. Mm-hmm. If speaking of big elite start field is the Antwerp Sprint Orienteering Meeting, which a load of British seniors are going out to in the first weekend of April. And that's currently on the men's side, I know, has got 120 elites (gasps) on it already. Gosh. And there's a knockout involved, so I don't know how that's going to work. Wow. But that's going to be hectic and get the elbows stuck in some people's faces in that one, I think. That is going to be a really good one to watch, like, pre-world championships. Absolutely. Like, you're going to... That's probably going to be the, the first time we'll see everybody racing head to head in sprint. I don't know if it's going to be streamed somewhere. There might be some streaming of it, I guess. Hopefully. But, Hopefully. Uh, Otherwise, you, you know, just ch- check all the results, check all the tracking. Check maybe all the results. GPS tracking, maybe. Hopefully we'll yeah. see some of that as well. <laughs> it'll, be, but, um, it'll be good fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then what else is going on? Tia Mila's back this year as mm-hmm. well at the at the start of May. I think that's May the 7th or 8th. 
Um, you close back this year. God, everything's back, isn't it? The world's back to... Yeah. I'm hoping O-Ringan's back because I'm still yet to go after it being cancelled in 2020. Yeah, I, I think it's meant to be back this it year. It is meant to be back, um, yes. But you, you never know. What else is there? There's loads of... Yeah, it's all go. There's loads it's all of go. Stuff. There's loads and, of stuff. It's uh, fantastic. British Sprints as well, 12th of June. British Sprints um, is back. And Sprint there's Relays the... as well. And Yeah, there's um, Euro Tour is back on as well. Those um, uh, Euro Tour urban races. I think there's some of those in Birmingham Coventry. Uh... Oh, Christ, we're just going to list every single event in the UK, <laughs> in the UK and Europe, well, let, aren't we? Let's Everything's stop whilst back. we're ahead because I think we've got I think we've got most of them. And um, yeah, yeah. So it's just great to see that that all these events kind of coming back, and particularly, of course, we've got this Sprint World Champs, and that's what a lot of those things are going to be around. So I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. a lot more of these events um, in the next few episodes. Maybe try and get um, a talk to we'll talk with some of the people who've maybe been performing very well at them in a few maybe a few different age classes as well and so i hope we've kind of whetted your appetite for what we really hope is going to be a fantastic season of orienteering i'm very excited well i know you're very excited as well and um we will leave you with that thought of the prospects of 2022 and we'll be back with another podcast very soon